As you know, Paul is writing the letters of 1 and 2 Timothy to Timothy, a young pastor. Uh, Paul and Timothy found the church at Ephesus in shambles. They're in conflict. There are leaders in the church that are, have become false teachers. The church is, is blowing up. It's, it's splitting. It's dividing. Uh, there is just incredible conflict. And so Paul leaves Timothy, young Timothy, behind to put the lid back on it. We've been talking about this for weeks, so I know I'm, I'm just reviewing now with most of you. Um, so young Timothy is there to, to, to fix this problem. Now, let's think a little bit, uh, a little more from a different angle about what the problem is. Keep your finger in First Timothy. Go back to Acts 20. You're not going to make you read the whole thing, but I want you to see it. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is traveling, and he realizes he's going to be close to Ephesus, but not close enough to go. You know how that is. So he sends word to the church there and says, listen, I'm going to be close, but I can't come see you. And some of the Ephesian church leaders, the elders, decide to come and see Paul. They just come to see him. Now, at this point in the book of Acts, Paul's on his way to Rome. Um, He's not sure he's going to live. He's not sure he'll ever see these, these uh, Ephesian church leaders ever again. So he has this really important moment with them, a very important moment where he, he challenges them, he encourages them, he, he, it, it's warm. He tells them about his love for them, and obviously they love him. Uh, but he also gives them a warning, and I, I just want you to see the warning because this is so uh, uh, just chilling and, and amazing. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, he's talking to the Ephesian leaders, and he says, Guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Verse 30 even some from your own group will rise up and distort the truth and to draw a following. Watch out. Isn't that amazing? It says, guard yourselves, guard God's flock. Savage wolves will come in, and some of those savage wolves are going to be you. Like, that's the warning to the leaders of the church. You know, watch out. And and the thing is, by the time we get to 1 Timothy, that's exactly what happened. That's what we've been talking about for several weeks. I mean, the church is blowing up because of its leaders. It's a crisis of leadership. It's, it's bad leadership. And Paul knows it, and Timothy knows it, and everybody knows it. And so when you have a, a bad leadership problem, what's the answer to that? Good leadership. Good leadership. If you got bad leaders, you need some good leaders now. And so 1 Timothy chapter 3 is Paul now giving instructions to Timothy on how to spot good leaders. Because Ephesus needs some good leaders in the worst kind of way. And so th these are Paul's instructions. I don't know what you would expect here, but, but pay attention to what you get in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 1. This is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be an elder, let's stop right there. New Living Translation says elder. The word is variously translated depending on who you're talking to. Sometimes the word is, is bishop. If someone aspires to be a bishop, elder is, is, is very common. Overseer, I think was the King James way of reading that. It's just a, a Greek word that, that, that is a, 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 a general a title for an, an overseeing kind of leader, that, that sort of thing. So ever how you choose to translate it. Uh, let's just keep going. If someone aspires to be an elder, he desires an honorable position. So an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. 
He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home. He must be able to teach. Must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, not love money. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how in the world can he take care of God's church? I think I added the words in the world, but y'all got it. An elder must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. Verse 8, in the same way, deacons must be well respected and have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers or dishonest with money. They must be committed to the mystery of the faith now revealed and must live with a clear conscience. Before they are appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. If they pass the test, then let them serve as deacons. In the same way, women must be respected and must not slander others. They must exercise self-control and be faithful in everything they do. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and he must manage his children and household well. Those who do well as deacons will be rewarded with respect from others and will have increased confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. Stop there. Uh, let's just stop there. Um, go back to verse 1. It says this. If someone aspires to be an elder, a church leader, this is our an honorable position, a noble task, uh, some translations say. So church leadership is noble. It's honorable. That's what I thought you'd say right, right there. Um, we're not so sure, are we? In, in our day, church leaders are not held in high esteem. And mostly that's due to bad church leaders, let's be honest, uh, crooked ones. The ones that make it on television, the ones that preach false false teachings, false gospels, the ones that become wealthy by, by taking from the ties of people. I mean, the bad ones have ruined it for all of the rest of us. Honestly, the reputation of church leaders is, is not strong. It, it is not high. And that in itself is, is, is a real tragedy. Honestly, most church leaders, most pastors, most deacons, most all of us are, are, are good we're preaching the Bible, leading the church honestly and with our whole hearts. But the thing is, if you do a really good job in a church, you never make the news. You know, I mean, you got to have a meth lab blow up or something to make the news. You got to be, you know, caught in a hotel room with drugs and, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's the only way to make the news. The ones who do it well don't ever seem to, to, to become famous. But, but it's really not just about you know, famous pastors or that sort of thing. If someone aspires to, to be a church leader, an elder, uh, overseer, desires an honorable p -p position, uh, let, let me start by saying this. Church leadership is messy and full of problems. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about y'all, and I'm not talking about my job. I love Y'all know me, surely you know me by now. I know where I am. I know this church. I know you people. I, I, I love you all. We have great leaders in this church. We always have. Our deacons are amazing, amazing, amazing men of faith. Uh, they challenge me. They stretch me every day. So understand, I know where I am. I know, what I, I, I know and y'all know my heart. You know I love being a pastor more than anything. If there were police officers between my house and church, it's only a mile and a half, I would get a speeding ticket every day. 
because I can't wait to get here every day. Y'all know I'm not joking. I love being a pastor. You don't have to convince me it is an honorable, it is a noble task, and I love what God has called me to do. I am the luckiest man in the world. However, church leadership is messy and full of problems. That's true. It's just true. And I'll say that's true. Why would I say that? Why would I say church leadership is messy and full of problems? Why would I say that? I love being a pastor. I love our church. But our church is messy and full of problems. Why? Well, people. People. Yeah. Some of them you know, actually. Take a look down your pew, and yeah, I'm talking about them. You know, I'm messy Uh, problematic people. We're all messy and problematic. I I am messy and problematic. It's just people. It's just people. So church leadership, any any office, any position you take, you're going to work with people and therefore it's going to be messy. It's going to be full of problems, but it's also going to be full of worth. It's wonderful. It's a gift. It's a privilege. It's an honor. It's noble. Church leadership is full of worth. Yes, it'll break your heart sometimes. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, people can be ungrateful and people can be demanding and people don't always do what they say they're going to do. But I'm telling you, church leadership is serving the Lord and it is full of reward. It's full of worth. Don't ever, don't ever think that it's not. Now, can, can I be just real honest? I, it's going to be quick because I'm almost out of time. So if this hurts, it won't hurt for long. Because can I just be, be honest? Um, serving the Lord is honorable and it's noble. And, and, and I would say this first, and then we'll talk about it. If you have an opportunity to lead at church, you run to it, not away from it. You, you run to it. Now, what I mean by this is, I've been your pastor 23 years. So for 23 years, I've been in like committee meetings with, with you all. And usually about this time of year or you know, at the beginning of the committee year, it becomes time for the new committee to meet with the new people and elect a chairperson. Have you all been in those meetings? What happens? Almost every time, almost every time, It's time to elect a chair. So the person who is a chair says, okay, everybody, it's time to elect a new chair. And everybody in the room does what? That looks at the floor. Everyone looks at the floor because nobody wants to make eye contact with anybody. Because why? They don't want to get nominated. They don't want to get nominated. So they look at the floor. And so then everybody just sort of starts going through their minds like, who's not here? Right? Right? Like it's an unwritten rule at Woodburn Baptist Church. If you miss any committee meeting, don't miss the first one. Because if you miss the first one, what happens? They will elect you the chairperson. Because that's what we do. It's like, you know, you know. well, I can't really speak for him. He's not here, but I think he'd make a really good chair. All in favor, say aye. Aye. You know, well, somebody please call Brother So-and-so. Tell me he's a new chair. I mean, Okay. That would make the Apostle Paul's head explode. And to be really honest with you, it makes my head want to explode. To serve the Lord, to to lead, is a noble task. It's, It's an honorable position. It's not something you get stuck with if you couldn't make the meeting. It's not something you get stuck with because you don't know how to say no. 
This is an honor. It is a privilege. It is a wonderful thing to serve the Lord. And if you have an opportunity to lead and serve at church, you run to it, not away from it. There's something wrong with your heart if you constantly run away from opportunities to serve the Lord. I mean, honestly, let's be honest, this is a fantastic congregation. Some of you all, you run banks, you run whole businesses, you run factories. I mean, you run giant farming operations. I mean, men and women alike, you do all sorts of things in the world. You're school teachers. Some of you run entire schools. But when it's time to, you know, to do a task at church, for some reason, you can't be bothered with that. I don't know if it's beneath your gifts or just somehow not a priority. But, but, but there's just something wrong with your heart. As a follower of Jesus, if, if you never, ever feel that serving the Lord is something that you're going to be drawn into. Paul says up front, if someone aspires to be a, an elder, a church leader, this is an honorable position. Now, he's talking to Ephesus. I promise you there are people in the church that say, you know, I don't think I trust any of these leaders. You know, I mean, it's become something that seems less than honorable. And Paul's reminding them, no, yes, you've seen some bad ones, and you've seen it done poorly, and you've seen some people in leadership that never should have been in leadership. But I'm telling you, all of that, true as it is, it doesn't change the fact that church leadership is still an honorable and noble thing. So, obviously, Timothy needs some good ones, right? How do you find a good one? Now, if this were your job, Paul would now, you know, publish the job description. We want a job description for the bishop, elder, slash overseer. We'd like a job description for deacon. You know, so Paul, that would really help us. Give us job descriptions, but Paul does not give you a job description. And this is kind of frustrating even to our day because we still don't really know what elders did. Or deacons, for that matter. We really don't know what they did because we never get that manual of church leadership that everybody wishes Paul gave us. He doesn't give us job descriptions. Instead, Paul gives us character descriptions. We're not really talking about like, like if you get the right tasks. Paul's more concerned that you get the right people. You get the right people. So we get these amazing character descriptions. We don't really know what the elders did. And the people who try to tell you, they don't know any more than's right here. And it's not here. It's just mostly the kind of person that makes a good church leader. Character, conduct. Look what it says. A person whose life is above reproach. Whew. Okay, that, that right there, it, that's a lie. He must be faithful to his wife. Exercise self-control, live wisely, have a good reputation. Must enjoy having guests in his home. <laughs> like, really? I mean, you know, like, that's a good church leader right there, the kind of guy that says, hey, why don't you just come over to the house? Isn't that cool? Must be able to teach. Must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. Must be gentle, not quarrelsome, not love money. Must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. So we'd like to see the transcripts from your kid's school, maybe. For if a man can't manage his own household, how in the world can he take care of God's church? Not, not a new believer. Wow. It's, 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 it's character. It's, it's, it's character. Same way deacons must be well-respected, have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers or dishonest with money. They must be committed to the mystery of the faith now revealed and must live with a clear conscience. Let them be examined. If they pass the test, let them serve. A deacon must be, verse 12, deacon must be husband of one wife. Some of you have read um, 
New Living Translation says faithful to his wife. The actual Greek there says a deacon must be a one-woman man, which sounds like a really good country song, doesn't it? Um, one-woman man. Um, the, the strange thing is, is my, in my lifetime, that's been the one everybody wants to fight it. Like people discuss and debate and like really get up in that. I got people visit the church and say, listen, Pastor Tim, before I come to women, I just need to know y'all got, y'all got divorced deacons? You know? Um, no matter how you want to translate that particular phrase, uh, it's one phrase among several. And, and I'm not sure that Paul ever intended that, that you shine that light there. Like, I'm still waiting for the day when somebody comes in and says, Brother Tim, before I join your church, I need to know, do you have any deacons that love money? I mean, that would be awesome, you know. Before we come in, I just need to know, you got any church leaders that are quarrelsome? I won't answer that one right there. Isn't that interesting? How we just kind of like, like I've never, I've never even heard of anybody who was disqualified from serving in the church because they loved money. Oh, but it says it here twice. You know, don't, don't get the people that love the money. You know, like we never even asked that, 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 that question. I mean, I mean, look at what it says. I mean, we don't really ask questions about alcohol. We really don't even ask questions about how committed they are to the mystery of the faith now revealed and, and the clarity of their conscience. I mean, there is a, a, a whole list of qualifications here. And, and to just focus on that one as if it's the only one that matters, I, I think you probably made more out of something that Paul doesn't make that much out of. He's just trying to describe the kind of person that's reliable, the kind of person that's faithful. And if they're faithful in their marriage, then, then chances are they'll be faithful in the church. And we're just looking for faithful, faithful leaders. The world needs them. While we're on it, let's just say this out loud. Women make good workers too. Women make good workers too. Now, everybody take a deep breath. I'm not going to scare you. In verse 11... People almost always read that as if Paul is only talking about like deacons' wives. Um, and, and possibly he is. But just understand this. Number one, the word he uses is just women. It's just women. The Greek word is guna, like gynecology. He just says women, just women. So in verse 11, it says, in the same way deacons, in the same way women. So it sounds like to me that Paul's just giving a, a, a description of the qualifications for women workers. Now, again, don't freak out. Every church in the world has had women working, including this one, since like forever. There's nothing new and there's nothing radical about that. Women make good workers. And so when you're appointing women to serve in different offices in the church, let's take a look at them. I mean, they need to be women of character too, and women of faithfulness, and women of faith. I mean, and that's why Paul stops and says, in the same way, women must be respected. They must not slander others. They must exercise self-control and be faithful in everything they do. We're talking about the people who are going to influence the life and, and future of the church. Let's make sure they're worthy. I mean, let's make sure before we put them up front th that we've done a little bit of examination to find out if these are the kind of people that can lead this church. So uh, what, what kind of person makes a good church leader? It, it's an overwhelming list, uh, honestly. 
I mean, if you're leading out with above reproach, that sounds like perfect. We're looking for perfect people. Got to be above reproach. I mean, we're going to look inside your marriage. We're going to look at your kids. They better be respectful and obedient. And guess what? We've already met your kids, y'all. I mean, we've seen your, you know, we, we've, y'all have seen mine too. Um, not only are we going to pay attention to what people inside the church know about you, we're supposed to consider what the people outside say about you. That means we need to hear from your golfing buddies what kind of words you use on a bad golf day. Because apparently all of that matters. And, and, and the way you deal with your money, I, I mean, it's a... It's an overwhelming list. Are we looking for perfect people? No. No. Because if the only people that could be, you know, like church leaders are perfect people, we wouldn't have any leaders at all. Like, I'd be the first one that would have to step down. What do you mean, yeah? Right? Yeah. Appreciate it. Nothing like staff loyalty there, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's true. It, it's true. It's true. I am not. I am not a perfect man. I pray I'm faithful, though. I pray I'm a faithful man. I pray that when I make mistakes, which is all the time, they are mistakes of the head and not the heart. People say, what? Where in the world was his head? I don't ever want you to have to say, where was his heart? It's faithful. And just like the ancient church at Ephesus, Woodburn Baptist Church, we just need faithful people, faithful leaders. The church has always needed them, and the church needs them now more than ever, so... If, if you see an opportunity where, where you can use your gifts, where you can step up, where you can lead, don't run from that. Don't run from that. It's noble. It's honorable. It's good. This church needs you. And if you're a young person and, and you've ever felt that, that nudge of the spirit, I mean, God could call you to be a pastor. I could call you to be a missionary. God could call you into all kinds of ways of serving him. You don't run from that. You run to that. I mean, Paul is talking in one of the most messed up churches in all of church history with leaders who became savage wolves Destroying the flock, and yet, even in that setting, Paul writes a letter and says, listen, to be in an office of leadership in the church, that is an honorable thing. We need more honorable people to lead. You are probably one of them. Pray with me. God, every time I stand in this spotlight, I know my flaws. I know my sins, and I'm thankful that they're forgiven and Erased by your blood, 
but I still know them. And every time I open my mouth, I feel like the least worthy man in the world. But it's not about me. God, you didn't call me because I was going to be perfect. You didn't call me because I was going to be smart. You didn't call me because I was going to, you know, you know, light the sermon on fire every week, Lord. You just didn't call me. And you've never, ever required that I be perfect. You just asked that I would be faithful. So God, just help me to be faithful and to inspire uh, faithfulness in this church, Lord, that you have assigned for me to lead. God, make me to be a faithful shepherd and never to turn on them as a savage wolf. And God, I pray that you would continue to raise up folks in this church, Lord, who just have a heart to see the gospel proclaimed and preached and taken around the world. People, Lord, who can lay awake at night dreaming about the things that you could do if all of us would just show up and be faithful. Lord, just help us to realize that the work we do together, it really matters. It, it, it just really, really matters. Help us, Lord, to make the sacrifices necessary to see th that we have a part in it, whatever our part is, Lord. Help us all to do our part. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.